Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And surprise, surprise, days gone, the forgotten Sony exclusive from 2019 is actually making headline news for the second time in as many weeks coming off that Bloomberg expose about Sony consolidating its forces around AAA blockbuster releases. And now because of an interview with its writer-director that was done on a YouTube channel. I've pulled up a Eurogame article right now that says, Days Gone Writer says if you love a game, you should buy it at full price. Don't complain if a game doesn't get a sequel if it wasn't supported at launch. These comments have created a bit of an internet firestorm, and we're going to talk about them in context. We're going to talk about my thoughts on them as well, because this is about the business side of video games, even though it isn't about the law. And... To give you that context, I do want to direct you, there will be a link in the description to this video, to the interview that John Garvin did with David Jaffe of God of War and Twisted Metal Fame. He does these interviews with video game personalities, and I understand other folks that are related to video games and other things in popular culture. The interview is four hours long, so, you know, get that ready with a little bit of time on your hands if you want to check it out in its entirety. But this particular line about buying games at full price is really one of the things that caught everybody's attention. So let's take a look at what he actually said. The writer and creative director of Days Gone says that players shouldn't complain if a game doesn't get a sequel if they didn't buy it at effing full price. We'll try to skip most of the expletives here. I do have an opinion on something that your audience may find of interest, and it might piss some of them off. If you love a game, buy it at effing full price. I can't tell you how many times I've seen gamers say, yeah, I got that on sale. I got it through PS Plus, whatever. Don't complain if a game doesn't get a sequel if it wasn't supported at launch. It's like God of War got whatever number millions of sales at launch and, you know, Days Gone didn't. Just speaking for me personally as a developer, I don't work for Sony. I don't know what the numbers are. So I think the uptick in engagement with the game is not as important as... Did you buy the game at full price? Because if you did, then that's supporting the developers directly. And I skipped a little section here where Eurogamer highlights that he was talking about piracy as well and how much that bugged him with respect to a PSP version of Siphon Filter. And I think he talked about some Vita things during this interview. Like I said, it's four hours long. There's a lot of substance there. But for the most part, what I want to talk to you all about today is this notion of buying a game at full price. Now, if you've been in virtual legality for a while, if you follow me on Twitter, you know, in general, I'm buying games on day one. I have tried to do so when financially feasible because I do believe that that helps signal certain things about the video game industry to the people that are making those games. Now, I'll be honest as well, I'm a little more reluctant to do that nowadays, and especially with respect to the platform holders, than I was in the past. And it's important to understand why that is when we kind of break down what's happening here. The very first thing in terms of logic that I see as an issue with this kind of statement is this, if you love a game, buy it at full price. This is a fundamental issue with popular culture, and I think anybody can see what the issue is in that sentence. Before you have purchased a game, before you have purchased a movie ticket or a book or even a streaming service to watch a show that you think you're going to like, you have no idea whether you're going to love that product or not. So the nature of buying something on day one is the nature of marketing, is the nature of intellectual property and brand management, franchises, and of course, reviews. And that's one of the things that comes up against Days Gone 
but not as much as you might think. In terms of this phenomenon, we've seen it in any number of cases of pop culture, but one of my favorite examples is, of course, the Disney Star Wars trilogy, where you can see that people were buying on to the movie with The Force Awakens in Episode 7 based on the premise of more Star Wars. The last Star Wars had been Revenge of the Sith back in the early 2000s, an excitement for seeing characters that people that were fans of this brand, this intellectual property franchise, hadn't seen in a very long time, and it made almost a billion dollars. But after having seen it, people said, okay, I now know what those old characters look like. Maybe I like it, maybe I don't, but they're rehashing what was the original Star Wars series. Maybe I'm not that interested in it. And you saw a massive reduction when you got to The Last Jedi. Now, you've also probably seen on my channel somewhere when I first started this channel that I did videos on The Last Jedi. It was one of my test cases for whether or not I could make videos on this service, and I very much disliked that movie. You can love it. I have nothing against you if you do, but I very much disliked it. Nevertheless, I'm still counted in the opening day receipts for that movie because I liked Force Awakens well enough, and I didn't know when I bought the tickets that I wouldn't like The Last Jedi. By the time Rise of Skywalker falls around, we know that we don't like The Last Jedi and we don't buy as many tickets or we don't buy day one tickets. I did, in fact, see The Rise of Skywalker in the theater, so I'm a poor test case for these kinds of things. But you can see the reduction and very often the sins of the father are visited upon the son here. The sins of the original movie are visited upon the sequel, especially when you're in a franchise type notion. Now, Days Gone, doesn't have that issue, but Days Gone has a completely different issue, which is nobody knows anything about it. They look at it, they see a zombie game again, they say, why are you making this when you're also making The Last of Us, which people already loved, and The Last of Us 2 is coming down the pipeline, people don't understand. So there's a lot of things that are coming up when we talk about Days Gone specifically, one of which is, hey, it wasn't marketed a ton, it wasn't marketed super well, what differentiated it from something like Last of Us wasn't well established, and nobody has any idea whether they will love the game when it comes out. The second component that, of course, isn't limited to Days Gone, and really none of these arguments are limited to Days Gone, is that the industry has spent a very long time training us to not buy games on Days One. It takes absolutely no effort at all to go in any given month on any of these stores, on the Xbox, on Nintendo, on PlayStation, and see for all the world how stupid you were to buy something for $60 or $70 one, two, three months ago. We got Call of Duty Cold War, which was released in November. It's now two-thirds off, give or take, or one-third off. We've got NBA games. We've got Watch Dogs, Legions, and Ubisoft might be one of the worst offenders here. I think I always feel stupid for buying Assassin's Creed or Watch Dogs or any other Ubisoft game. They apparently are half off like the next month, three weeks later, something along those lines, especially because they tend to release their games at the holiday season, October, November, and then discount them for Christmas. And we've been trained to look at this and say, okay, well, I probably shouldn't buy day one if I'm being a reasonable fiscal monitor of my wallet and budget situation, that buying things on day one is really only a testament of faith in the game industry or the developers or the publishers. And that's a very hard thing to ask someone to do with their hard-earned money. And this has become a bigger and bigger and bigger problem over the years, especially now that streaming services like Game Pass, and it's not really a streaming service, but it's like a service that gets you access to a number of games, 
exist. So now you're looking at this and saying, hey, I was about to buy Outriders, for instance, on day one. I really enjoyed the demo. Didn't buy it because it was on Game Pass. But now you look at that and you have that secondary question going through your mind. Hey, I really loved a game that came out on the Nintendo Switch. It was a big surprise in the Indie Showcase this past weekend called There Is No Game. Tweeted out about it. Highest recommendation. Fantastic. And yet in the back of my mind, I still think, well, this could be a great Game Pass game. And should I even recommend that people buy it? Yes, I think they should because I think this developer should be supported. So I agree with the interview that we're talking about as part of this video, but... I know people have limited budgets. I know 2020 and 2021 has devastated industries and jobs and everything else. Should I recommend that? And the question is, philosophically, I'm not sure that I should. So you start getting into this conversation. Yes, buy it at full price if you love a game. I don't know whether I will love it. And I don't know whether I should buy that game. Now, being me, who loves the video game industry, obviously does a YouTube series talking about it and the rest of pop culture, I feel guilty sometimes when this kind of thing happens. I tweeted out only a couple of months ago, sometimes I regret not buying a game once I play it on one of the services, in this case, PS Plus, because I or my family is enjoying it so much. Concrete Genie is a brand new entry on that list. Oftentimes when that happens, sometimes this happens in mobile and free-to-play where I'm just enjoying something so much, I try to find a way to kick a few dollars over to the developer. In this case, a couple of people recommended I go and buy a physical copy. Some other people recommended I go and find other things that this developer had done. And I look for those opportunities because I do think it's important to try to signal things correctly. And I had waited this one out because I didn't like the marketing. I didn't like the look. I wasn't convinced of the game. And I wound up loving it. I love Concrete Genie. I've had a great time playing it with my daughters. And yeah, I regret it because I didn't get to evidence my support for a game of that type because I didn't know if I would love it. Continuing with this quote, he also says, I can't tell you how many times I've seen gamers say, yeah, I got that on sale. I got it through PS Plus, whatever. And that's good for them. But don't complain if a game doesn't get a sequel if it wasn't supported at launch. It's like God of War got whatever number millions of sales at launch. And you know, Days Gone didn't. Just speaking for me personally as a developer, I don't work for Sony. I don't know what the numbers are. Again, is a bit of an unfair comparison for poor little Days Gone here, right? You're comparing it to God of War, which is a series that has existed for some time. And I suspect he's comparing it to God of War because his interviewer was intimately related with the creation of God of War. But God of War was a known commodity. Kratos is one of the most popular characters in video games. Similarly, with Sony's other big successes, The Last of Us was a sequel. Spider-Man is Spider-Man. Uncharted is a sequel. A lot of the big intellectual property successes at Sony have been of that type. Now, I think the one big exception to that is I believe Horizon Zero Dawn was a major success for them. And I think that's great. It had something to differentiate it. Robot dinosaurs. Every time it appeared, you could see the robot dinosaurs. And even though they aren't that big of a factor in that video game, in my opinion, you're doing a lot more human fighting and other kinds of things in open world Ubisoft land than just fighting robot dinosaurs. They were significant, they were obvious, and they were clear in the marketing in a way that Days Gone wasn't. And I think that's a mistake for greenlighting it and marketing it and trying to get things out there, but it doesn't play very well in short snippets on YouTube or Twitch or in E3 marketing presentations. So I get that. Now, the other thing he added was, of course, about these reviews. If you go and you look at more of this four-hour interview, it says, Garvin details what he believes is that perception can be more important than actual sales of a game and goes on to use Disney as a comparison. If you are Disney, you can't afford to make a 
bad. We'll call it the euphemisms here a little bit. Movie, even if a bunch of people go to see it, Garvin says when asked if he believes the Metacritic score is more important than overall sales. Now, Disney in and of itself, kind of an odd pull, right? Disney isn't really known for not just shotgunning whatever it wants at people and using franchise power and animation and everything else to make sure that people like it. They are hardly the last bastion of only releasing good products, as you can see if you go and you look at Metacritic. A lot of yellow here, some red. The Rise of Skywalker makes its second appearance in this video. And yes, they release some movies that people like, but hardly movies that are only eights and only nines and what have you. So it's a little bit of an odd poll, but we understand what he's trying to say, that at some level, brand is important and you can't just release things that are broken. Obviously, CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk are dealing with that issue right now. Days Gone, an open-world survival game, was released in April 2019 to mixed reviews. Among critics, it earned an average rating of 71 out of 100, while earning an 8.3 out of 10 from players. And we can go and we can look at that and we can see the 71 and we can see a lot of reviews complaining about technical issues, but... I have to admit, they weren't technical issues that I really experienced. This wasn't a Cyberpunk 2077 experience where I wound up quitting playing that game because it just became too much. This is launch day. Have to say, at least on preliminary inspection, Days Gone makes quite a good first impression. In the days that followed, I would continue to say the same thing. Simply loving my first half dozen hours with it. A week later, simply phenomenal, etc., etc. And I'm not saying that other people didn't have these experiences. And if you have these experiences, I have no doubt that you feel significantly more negatively about this product than I did. But we can't sit back and pretend that this was as broken as some of the things that people accept. Heck, Outriders, that I'm also enjoying, has had all manner of issues, including a blanking of people's inventory, the things that you actually earn in a looter shooter that, yes, is getting a certain amount of pushback for that, but I don't anticipate it getting the same kind of vitriol that, for whatever reason, Days Gone generated. The other component of all this is that Days Gone actually sold all right. If you go and you look at the best-selling games of 2019, I've highlighted in yellow the ones that are multi-platform that are going to naturally kind of ascend a list like this. Days Gone is actually in the top 20. Days Gone is the eighth best-selling PlayStation 4 game of 2019. And most importantly, at least as reported in that Bloomberg article we summarized last week, Days Gone was profitable. The issue, the reason that I brought up that article last week and I wanted to discuss it with you all is not that Days Gone wasn't profitable. It's that Days Gone wasn't profitable enough to the higher ups at Sony, that there appears to be an actual philosophical difference between me who enjoys seeing new intellectual property try to make it out there and actually make money in its first go is incredibly difficult to do and more power to Days Gone and Sony Ben, but that Sony looks at it and says, well, I think a Last of Us remake for the second time in eight years years is a safer play, and it might well be from a business perspective, but from a creative one, it's abhorrent. I don't want to play Last of Us again in a second remake for the eight years that it has been released. I would rather have a Days Gone 2, or I would rather have a brand new intellectual property from these studios. I love Days Gone, so I'm on tilt on this kind of thing, and you can grade my thoughts on Days Gone in particular on that basis, but overall, I don't need Days Gone too. I just want to see more and better and new things supported by one of the major players in the industry. And that Bloomberg article suggests that they would rather have Uncharted 5 and rather have Last of Us Remastered, Remade, Part 1, and whatever else that they're making. And that's the fundamental issue here. Now, did enough people buy it at full price? I can't tell you. 
I can tell you that Bloomberg said it was profitable. I can tell you that it was in the top 20 games sold in 2019. So I don't know exactly what the point is here, except to say that intellectual property like God of War or Spider-Man is hugely strong. And you see why people make franchises and sequels because it is so difficult to get a new piece of intellectual property out there. Now, I will let John Garvin have the last word here. He did try to clarify his discussion points with David Jaffe in a later Twitter thread. This is what I said. If a game doesn't make money, it's probably not going to get a sequel. Undoubtedly true. That's a financial marketing and business fact. I can't believe this is shocking news to some of you. Also, I wasn't even talking about Days Gone. I haven't been at Ben's studio in two years. Now, we have to give a short corrective here. It's like God of War got whatever number of millions of sales at launch, and you know Days Gone didn't. You know, he's talking about Days Gone in respect of that particular piece. And hey, as someone that speaks on podcasts that does a lot of these tapings live and tries to edit as little as possible, I understand misspeaking, but you got to make sure your corrective is also addressing what it is you actually wound up saying, even if it wasn't intentional. I told Jaffe, I don't know what they're working on. I don't know the financials. I was talking about my personal experience about how piracy on the PSP hurt me financially. That's the second part. What I could have added is that anything that doesn't make money doesn't get supported. Vita, anyone? Again, I have no knowledge of the financials here. It's just common sense. Have you seen a movie that you loved but didn't pay to see, then wondered why it never got a sequel? So you do you. If you don't like a game, if it's buggy, if you listen to reviewers' opinions, if you think games cost too much, more power to you. Just don't buy it on sale a year later, discover you love it, then wonder why a sequel never got made. Also, I've said some controversial things in the past. This ain't one of them. If something isn't profitable, it probably isn't going to get a sequel. And I think that's all well and good. I think John Garvin is correct in saying you don't make enough money for Sony. Sony's not going to give you the ability to make a second version of that product. However... I can still be critical of a Sony that looks at a game like Days Gone, that might look at another game of a similar stripe as Days Gone in the future and say, you didn't make us enough money, let's make Spider-Man 4. You didn't make us enough money, let's remake Last of Us Part 2. You didn't make us enough money, let's figure out what we can make out of a franchise and just deliver that open world, over-the-shoulder cinematic action to you again for the 25th time. I want to see more and better games. I want to see new intellectual property. I try to support that as best I can, but the industry isn't making it easy. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy talking about the business and law of things like video games, pop culture, music, movies, and television, please consider supporting the channel. We are spending a ton of time making these videos, hopefully being entertaining, educational, informational, and more. We've got a Patreon, Streamlabs, a store. And if none of that is interesting to you at this point in time, don't blame you. Just consider subscribing, ringing the bell, leaving a comment for the Google algorithm, and most importantly, telling your friends that we're out here because we can't depend on Google to just spread these videos. Who knows when and if a video will wind up popping up in various YouTube streams. So every little bit helps. And if you tell your friends, I am so, so appreciative of that simple act. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.